Hello, and welcome to ESPUN's third episode. I'm Alex Lynn, a senior at Barrington High School. And one sport I like to learn how to play is curling. And I'm Ron J. Roy. I'm also a senior at Barrington High School, and one sport I'm starting to get into is golf. Uh, well, that's pretty cool, Ron J. Uh, although I said I'd like to learn how to, how to curl, uh, unfortunately, I don't think today's country is known for its curling team, Ron J. Uh, that's because today on ESPN, we'll be highlighting attitudes towards sports in the Islamic Republic of Iran. You know, Alex, I think curling is actually a super underrated sport, and uh, I'm glad you're getting into it. But anyways, Alex and I were motivated to cover Iranian government attitudes towards sporting because Iran is quite a different country from America. And as we've seen on this podcast so far, different systems of government tend to correlate with very different attitudes towards sporting. Exactly. Uh, like China, Iran is sort of an enigma to many Americans. Most Americans probably wouldn't be able to find it on a map, but many of them would know that we don't exactly have the closest relationship, whether it be the fact that it's in the geopolitically heated Middle East or whether it's the diplomatic historic, the historic diplomatic events like the Iranian hostage crisis and the, nuclear, and the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, Iran has been a critical part of the United States of America's foreign policy debates in previous years. As the U.S. grew more culturally open, Iran grew more conservative and authoritarian. Thus, with such a different government system and way of life than ours and many other countries in the West, it's a perfect country to highlight as we compare attitudes towards sports between different countries. So let's dive deeper into this government system. Iran is the first theocracy we've covered on this podcast and is largely dominated by Shia Muslims. Approximately 61% of Iran is Shia Muslim. Um, and also going more specific into the government, um, it is led by a supreme leader who is currently, and correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, um, Ali Khamenei. That's the, I think that's the best I can do with the pronunciation, um, who is in charge of setting the tone and the direction of Iran's foreign and domestic policies. Um, the Supreme Leader also serves as the Commander-in-Chief. Um, they will appoint and dismiss leaders or members of the judi judiciary. Uh, they guide state radio and television networks. Um, they command the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. And finally, something which I thought was interesting is that they appoint six out of the 12 members of the Council of Guardians. And for those of you that don't know, the Council of Guardians um, is an organization that determines whether the laws passed by the parliament are in line with Sharia and Sharia is essentially Islamic law. So it's kind of interesting to see how like government and religion are so intertwined. And that's kind of um, symbolic of, uh, of uh, theocracy, which is kind of new here. Um, and yeah, so before we get too deep into like the religious aspect of Iranian society and government though, I wanted to hone in on some of the ways that civil society in Iran has been heavily restricted. So organized civil society in Iran has generally risen during periods when the state was weak. So examples of this include um, the Constitutional Revolution in 1905 to 1906. Um, immediately after World War II, Iran was not doing well. Um, and also finally during the 1979 revolution, obviously Iran had to bounce back and they did that through uh, civil society. But in recent years, um, civil society has been seen as a threat to uh, religious rule and national unity during the war with Iraq. 
So this has actually led to a sharp decline in civil society, um, especially in recent years. Um, in the 1990s, Supreme Leader uh, Khomeini um, called the press the base of the enemy. So he essentially paved the way for a 2000 law that restricted the ability of the press to operate. And additionally, um, many people try to use social media as a form of public protest. And at first that was kind of working out. Um, but eventually even people, even private citizens have been punished by the government because they've used social media as a form of protest. So that shows that even social media isn't safe for anyone. Um, around generally blog sites such as Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, et cetera. So, you know, you can draw the comparison to China and other authoritarian countries there. Um, and one um, especially interesting thing about Iran um, in particular is that they slow down internet speed. Um, and by slowing down internet speeds, they're able to limit like the spread of information. So that's kind of a unique strategy that they use. So Iran is ranked like 165 out of 180 in um, like internet speeds, which is just a kind of interesting statistic since they're not necessarily like very underdeveloped or something. Um, and yeah, so as you will see throughout the podcast, these restrictions have ultimately had a very significant impact on sports and attitudes towards sporting in Iran. All right, so I'm going to take a moment to profile Iran's sporting habits on a segment I call Sports Facts. So traditionally popular sports in Iran include wrestling, horse racing, and ritualistic bodybuilding. However, thanks to globalization and, and engagement with the West, team sports have grown in popularity in Iran, particularly rugby, soccer, and volleyball. Today, soccer is widely considered the most popular sport in Iran, with the country's team entering the World Cup in 1978. Unfortunately for the soccer team though, the Iranian revolution occurred in 1979, and Iran's new government was quite combative towards sports. Notably, soccer was completely banned after the revolution. They regarded sports stadiums as rivals to mosque, which sort of makes sense, doesn't it, Ranjay? I mean, those sports stadiums are huge. And I was sort of thinking about it, like I can't name a single building in Boston, but I know what Fenway Park is. So I guess like in an Islamic theocracy, you'd obviously want the mosque to be a center of attention and not the stadium. So I can sort of empathize with the, uh, the Iranian government there, which is a, sure. an interesting internal discovery about myself. So as most authoritarian regimes take power, uh, as we know, they begin inserting themselves in every aspect of daily life. So of course, the new Iranian's government focused on sports didn't stop there. The new government nationalized sports teams and women were restricted from attending games. Uh, first of all, I just wanna say, I'm glad that you're learning about yourself, Alex. And uh, I just mm -hmm. wanna go on by saying, that sporting events do play an interesting role in Iran's political culture, as you were hinting at. Um, while Iran's new government took interest in suppressing sports, they've been unsuccessful. So since the 1990s, there has been a revival of athletics in Iran, in, including women's activities. Now, in America, we've often seen athletes take an active political role. You may remember Colin Kaepernick choosing to take a knee to protest police brutality and racial strife in America. Just as sports have been politicized in America, Iran has a very similar situation. Sports have become inextricably bound up with demands for political liberal liberalization. 
and nearly every major event has become an occasion for massive public celebrations by young men and women expressing their desire for reform and more amicable relations, relations with the West. Midfield Masood Sojeki could be considered Iran's Colin Kaepernick. In 2009, he called for uh, the president's removal from office. And in 2017, he competed against an Israeli team, Maccabi Tel Aviv. The Iranian government does not recognize the state of Israel and has no official ties with the country. A long-standing rule by the country's Islamic government prohibits Iranian athletes from competing against Israeli athletes in any contest or tournament, including the Olympics, so he was dropped from the national team. And he was only reinstated after massive fan protests. Russia has also had issues with athletes criticizing their authoritarian government. Artemi uh, Panarin, a Russian NHL player, criticized the Kremlin's lack of freedom of press and lack of regulations of big business. When athletes criticize a government like this, it can be a serious threat to legitimacy. When major figures for the country stand opposed to its leaders, it's a sign of instability. Right. So another controversial issue uh, in sports in Iran is the, is the debate over the extent to which women should be involved. Uh, one major theme of this course is adaption of social policies. You know, so in a world where women are growing more equal, Iran definitely has to adapt. And we've definitely seen changes. So women in Iran were actually banned from watching sports games in person until FIFA's governing body forced Iran to allow women to spectate a game at the Azadi Stadium in 2019. Iran's clerics had argued that men, quote, must be shielded from the masculine atmosphere and sight of semi-clad men. But all Iranian women wanted to do was have the same, opportun same opportunity to watch as men. A woman in Tehran said, I would like there to be freedom for women, like men, to go freely and even sit side by side without any restrictions, like other countries. The change had to be made after the death of Sahar Kodayari, known as, quote, Blue Girl, a woman who set herself on fire after learning she may be imprisoned for trying to enter the Azadi Stadium. Ironically, Azadi translates to, translates to freedom in English. This was a serious blow to Iran's legitimacy on the world stage. After the incident, FIFA president Gianni Infantino wrote in a letter, while we are aware of the challenges and cultural sensitivities, we simply have to continue making progress here, not only because we owe it to women all over the world, but also, be, also because we have a responsibility to do so under the most basic principles set out in FIFA statutes. In a world where at least 79 countries have had a female leader, the IPU uh, ranks Iran number 179 for a percentage of women serving in the legislature, a measly 5.9%. It's become clear to the world that Iran is not a welcoming country for women. And it's becoming increasingly hard for Iran to justify appearing as a country that holds women in a sense of quasi-slavery. For its own legitimacy, Iran has to adapt. Still, we aren't there yet. While women were allowed to spectate, they still remain segregated from male audience members. Kimia Elizadeh, a popular Olympic Taekwondo athlete, defected from the Iranian team to go to Germany. She wrote an Instagram post explaining she was defecting because of the treatment of women in Iran, calling herself, quote, one of the millions of oppressed women in Iran um, who Iran's rulers have been playing with for years. They took me wherever they wanted. I wore whatever they said. Every sentence they ordered me to say, I repeated. 
Whenever they saw fit, they exploited me, she wrote. She wrote further that she, quote, didn't want to sit at the table of hypocrisy, lies, injustice, and flattery any longer, nor remain complicit with the regime's, quote, corruption and lies. A pretty damning estimate of the Iranian regime there. For sure. And uh, finally, another thing that uh, contributes to this is that it's important to note that Iran has a relatively low sports budget and that uh, athletes have not necessarily gained the almost cultish popularity of those in different countries, such as China or the United States. So the annual uh, government budget for sports in Iran uh, uh, was equivalent of 80 million US dollars in 2010, which comes to about $1 per person, which is obviously very low in comparison to countries like the United States. Um, and obviously part of this is due to the fact that the Iranian government was subject to the sanctions from the United States and other countries, which has ultimately limited the amount of freedom that Iran has had with its budget. Um, and this is somewhat similar to Russia's situation. So after Russia's invasion of the Crimea, the US levied sanctions, which only further harmed an already sta- unstable Russian economy. Um, Due to the harsh harsh recession facing the Russian economy, Russia was forced to cut over $560 million from the budget for the 2018 World Cup. Additionally, according to a report from the International Journal of Sport Policy and Politics, in Iran, sports figures are not uh, prominent in society. Iranian society gives higher status to politicians and honors them by making them patrons and leaders of sport and recreation associations. So this connects back to the idea of restricted civil society like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Because people do not have access to a lot of social media, sports figures are less prominent, which allows authoritarian leaders to have more influence in the political scene. Right. So uh, as we close up this podcast, we want to reflect a bit on all we've learned about Iran. So we always talk about what is this country's attitude towards sports? Well, it seems that Iran's conservatism and authoritarianism have manifested themselves into the sports scene. Iran has been cracking down on freedom of speech, and this can be seen by their willingness to restrict athletes who speak out against them. And not just athletes, it's restricting it um, all of its citizens with social media, with slowing down the internet speeds and all these different ways in restricting civil society. Iran has not used sports to advance its legitimacy like Russia or China, but rather it has a combative relationship with sports and has um, had to adapt its positions on women in sports to protect this legitimacy. Well, that pretty much wraps things up. Uh, It was great talking about Iran with you, Ranjay today a bit of russia sprinkled in there too so uh thank you guys for tuning into our third episode of espun here we're in the home stretch so yeah that's it see you next time we'll see you guys soon